lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I have a little bit more pep in my step today, in case you hadn't noticed. We still have testicle crushing uh, temperatures outside, but my wife was telling me one of her friends lives in uh, some city in Ohio and they just got three feet of snow. That made you happy. It, 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 somebody's it's worse off. Somebody else. Somebody is worse off. All right. I thought it was the cookies and cream, but no, it's just Schadenfreude. <laughs> somebody's somebody's worse off. It, it, somebody's not having the worst winter in the country. So I guess we will take it. Let us know what you think about what we think. Oh, by the way, that was Todd Erzin. Aaron McIntyre's here too. Uh, let us know who you are. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Uh, also on MeWe. Look for Steve Dace there. Last name is D-E-A-C-E. Follow me on Gab today at Steve Dace as well. And then also on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of the program that you can sample and then share with others, go to YouTube.com slash Steve Dace and rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. My new book or my most recent book, I guess we shall say uh, nefarious Carol is out now. It's still time to get your copy before we continue on going through it on theology Thursday. If you've not had a chance to read it yet or to purchase it yet, you don't want to have a spoil it for you. Do you? So uh, it's not like you didn't have plenty of time. I mean, this week it's going to be almost two months since the book came out. Right. So we even extended it a week. We kind of did kind of a big picture look at the book last week to give everybody at least one more week before we spoiled any of the story contents within the book. So get your copy today at Amazon.com at Premier Collectibles as well. If you'd like an autographed version, I just signed uh, a, a, a lot more autographs for the book uh, at Premier Collectibles yesterday. So they are getting another order if they were sold out before uh, to, to get the link for that. Just go to my Twitter account, Facebook page. It's pinned to the top of each of those pages. Steve Dace on Facebook at Steve Day Show on Twitter. And if you've had a chance to read A Nefarious Carol, the sequel to A Nefarious Plot, and you liked it, you listened to the Audible version with uh, my daughter and I, and you liked that, uh, leave us a five-star review if you appreciated that. And hey, can you think of a better way to stick it to Amazon right now than giving a five-star glowing review to a book about this kind of subject matter? So thanks to all of you that have done that for both A Nefarious Plot and A Nefarious Carol. All right, coming up today on a Tuesday, next hour pop culture tuesday i'm gonna take a bit of a leap i got the spock one eyebrow from todd when i told him this was the topic he was like okay but i had an epiphany over the weekend watching crocodile dundee for family movie night for the first time in at least 25 years and i want to discuss it all right i want to share my epiphany during Pop Culture Tuesday next hour, and you and Aaron can tell me, you know what, I, dude, you might be onto something, or that's um, you're taking crazy pills. The All epiphany right? is just value added because that's fine cinema, no matter how you slice that, that it. Did, I'd just talk about it. Yeah, you, you can't get. I mean, there isn't better '80s white trash cinema. Oh, it's great. I'm than not kidding. Crocodile Dundee. It's great. Yes, but there's some things in there that I didn't pick up on. When I was nine, ten years old, watching that movie in the theaters for the first time, oh, we cared about that's not a knife. Yeah, I, that's, that's all I cared about. Yes, yes. Um, I, I'm, and and mom, what's a bidet? I still kind of don't know. <laughs> but um, there were some other things that occurred in that movie that at this age, in my forties, I did pick up on. 
that gave me a bit of an epiphany about where we are culturally. So maybe it's a stretch. We'll find out next hour. For fake news or not, a simple question. Where is the flu? Where did the flu go? We will take a stab at that for fake news or not next hour. Bottom of this hour, New York Times bestselling author, buddy Joel C. Rosenberg is going to join us as we transition now from the Trump administration to the O'Biden third term. What does foreign policy look like in the Middle East? If you know Joel, you know his books, you know that is right in his wheelhouse. We'll talk about that with him coming up here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a mass coal update. We'll start in Tampa, Florida, where Mayor Jane Castor said this yesterday. Everyone knows that simply wearing a mask dramatically reduces the spread of COVID-19. And I'm proud to say that the majority of individuals that I saw uh, out and about enjoying the festivities associated with the Super Bowl were complying. But uh, those few bad actors uh, will be identified and the Tampa Police Department will handle it. In completely unrelated news, here's a picture of the aforementioned mayor at a Tampa Bay Lightning game without a mask. In Kentucky, the state public health commissioner failed to put on his mask in time for the camera. The very best information. Uh, Good afternoon, Governor. Good afternoon, everyone. A new study out of Germany shows the side effects of prolonged mask usage, particularly amongst children. The preprint study published at Research Square was performed by five professors and researchers at the University of Wittenhedeke, ranging in disciplines from pediatrics to psychology and research methodology. The study resulted in reports from 25,930 children and found the average mask wearing time was 270 minutes per day. They found impairments caused by wearing the masks were reported by 68% of the parents, including irritability at 60%, headache at 53%, difficulty concentrating at 50%, less happiness at 49%, malaise at 42%, impaired learning at 38%, and fatigue at 37%. The authors also noted the lack of unbiased research on the topic, quote, there are no manufacturer-independent studies on the use of masks for children and adolescents that are certified as medical products for occupational safety and professional applications. In addition, due to the unknown materials used, there are no findings on the potential protective effects or side effects of the often homemade everyday masks worn by the majority of children. In view of the ongoing measures to contain the COVID-19 pandemic, and in particular the varying obligations for children and adolescents to wear masks in school over a longer period of time, there is an urgent need for research, end quote. But what do they know? The World Health Organization... I see nothing. I was not here. I did not even get up this morning. Has dropped its study into the lab leak origin theory of the Wuhan coronavirus. WHO investigator Peter Ben Embarek said in a statement, quote, the laboratory incidents hypothesis is extremely unlikely to explain the introduction of the virus to the human population. New York Times headline, power, patriotism and 1.4 billion people. How China beat the virus and roared back. <laughs> That was-
was awesome. Headline from NorthJersey.com, a Gannett paper, Think USA Today. Hydroxychloroquine may have some use to treat COVID after all, New Jersey study shows. Yes, indeed, a new Hackensack Meridian Health study shows that people with mild symptoms of COVID-19 may be helped by the drug, but orange man bad or something. Checking in on the vaccine, a tragic story. Sarah Beltron Pons, a medical doctor out of Wisconsin, tweeted late in January about how she was 14 weeks pregnant and took the COVID vaccine. On February 4th, she tweeted that she had suffered a miscarriage. According to a 2013 Oxford study, the risk of miscarriage in the 14th week of pregnancy is normally less than 1%. In New York, an elderly man in his 70s collapsed and died in Manhattan at the Javits Center after receiving a COVID vaccination. During a required 15-minute observation period following the vaccination, the man reportedly exhibited no adverse effects from the jab. First responders rendered aid within seconds, but the man later died at a nearby hospital, according to the health commissioner. There's now talk that Congress is considering lowering the income eligibility threshold for the third round of stimulus checks down from $75,000 to $50,000 for individuals and from $150,000 to $100,000 for couples. Moving on and in the category of stories that would be omnipresent right now if the roles were reversed, we'll head to South Carolina where Ariel Robinson is facing homicide charges after abusing three-year-old Victoria Rose Smith and her two white brothers for months before killing the female toddler in a series of blunt force injuries. Robinson came to fame after appearing on the Food Network's show Worst Cooks in America while being a foster parent to the children. United Nations Women tweets, There's no wrong way to be a woman. 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 Vox headline from January, White Women's Role in White Supremacy Explained. And finally, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes during the big game. Mahomes in trouble, get more pressure, throws a laser beam, drops! Mahomes, he Here's Mahomes from third and 19. Incomplete through the hand. nine. Chasing after him. Mahomes in trouble, flings it across his body. And that's what happened while we were away. That video is tremendous, man. Standing. That is one of the best fan post-game laments videos I've ever seen. And the refs coming at him. I mean, the game actually looked like that. Yes. The ball is snapped. Tampa Bay's front four is already in the backfield. He's out there running around like Fran Tarkenton in an NFL Films footage from the 70s, just trying to throw the ball away. He's throwing it behind his back, eyes closed over his head, hitting his play, hitting his teammates in the helmet in the hands. They're dropping the ball. Yeah, that that is a really good um, expression of what we saw on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Aaron's Montage is brought to you by our friends over at Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you're thinking of getting in to the real estate market anytime, but especially during these unprecedented times. Bing. Yes, we got our reference to that in again today. Make sure you go in with a real estate agent you can trust. Now, where would you find said agent? I mean, it's it's not like when you go on to your local realtor's websites, um, they just say on there, this guy's lazy. Uh, this chick can't, uh, you know, uh, she can't sell uh, blankets to Eskimos. They don't just say stuff like that. 
right? Uh, everybody says that they're great. They do a great job. Thankfully, you have an outlet that has vetted its agents before they get listed because Glenn Beck and his associates who started this company, they ran into real estate agents who talked a good game, but then didn't deliver to the, the desired results when they were needed the most. And that's why they started realestateagentsitrust.com so that the same fate would not befall the rest of us. And the name kind of says it all. Check them out. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, realestateagentsitrust.com. Today in the overtime, you may have noticed there's a, the, the, a somewhat, I guess, big story that never showed up in Aaron's montage. We're doing another impeachment. I saw a stat today. Half of the impeachments in American history have now been of Donald Trump. <laughs> Half of the impeachment trials, I should say. Um, we're doing another one. So why isn't it highlighted in Aaron's montage? Well, our show position is we really have no interest in this from a political theater standpoint. There is one thing that would cause me to say, all right, let's devote some show resources to covering this. And we're going to discuss what that thing is today in the overtime. If you want to know what it is, go to blazetv.com slash dace. And that's where if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, when we're done with this show here, we'll stick around, record it for you, upload it to the website. Then you can watch it later today on demand at blazetv.com slash dace. But if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you want to watch that, as well as all the other exclusive content we do each day here on Blaze TV, you can go there as well. Get a discounted subscription today at blazetv.com slash days let's let's go to the montage and watching these maskles you were telling me you and your wife were watching some of this stuff this morning before you came in todd yeah i showed her the video of the guy caught this off is the guard. kentucky health uh, guru right yes okay well that's that's the point yeah health guru yeah they are legion all of these experts everywhere yet all you need to know about them and in teachers unions put them all together all of the so-called smart set the look in that fool's eye when he got caught and he didn't quite have the mask. You can see it. No matter how many degrees he has, it only actually, yep. it, it, it's a steroid that accelerates this. All they really care about is if they look pretty to you. Yeah. You could just see it in yeah. him. Yeah. Will I be accepted? Did I get caught? Oh, no. Oh, no. They're pathetic. And we've been ruled by them since March. I'm a little on tilt today. It's two days of data on masks and this virus and the fraudulent experts and the the damn mayor of tampa who's saying he's gonna go arrest people who wasn't wearing a mask in the first place we've told you since march yet you still gulp the kool-aid from these frauds by the way um foot the football games in tampa are played indoors or outdoors they are played outdoors. Yeah. Pretty much every hockey game is played anywhere, indoors or outdoors. Yeah. Indoors. Indoors. So outdoors, in the warmth, we arrest you for not wearing a mask while she's not wearing one indoors at a sporting event. Tar and feathers. Well, see, I don't want a bit of a tease, but this is what I'm going to get into in Pop Culture Tuesday next hour the epiphany that i had during crocodile dundee all right so but um i've got to mention this for equal time so back in december because the covid stuff we're going to do this again next hour with some covid stuff with 
the flu, right? And I get a feeling, do you think we're going to have some material to do this again tomorrow, the next day, the day after, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. This crazy train does not yeah. ever get derailed. So let me let me start with something that I'm not, again, I, I, I'm not surprised very often. I am surprised by this. And, and and this would actually be dumber than what the Republicans did in December, which I thought was mind-numbingly stupid, if you'll recall. I told you in December, when Republicans decided that they were going to cap stimulus checks to individual Americans at $600, while they signed off on how many billions of pork and gender studies for, for Burma, right? Okay. That cancel the Georgia Senate runoff. You're, you're already losing your base because they don't believe that you're fighting on voter fraud. And now you're gonna now now you're gonna lose you're gonna lose people who are non-ideological but are basically just voting checkbook more than anything else. Uh, because one party's offering them two grand and you're offering them six hundred bucks. Who in their right mind, if that's if you're driven by the bottom line, who would in their right mind take six hundred dollars instead of two grand? Do you know anybody that would do that? No. No. So didn't I say if you do that, the Georgia Senate runoff is over. Democrats will have total control of government. And then the first thing that they will do after Biden is inaugurated is their own bail uh, COVID relief plan, give people even more money, and then they take all the credit for it, right? Yeah. Okay. Everything I told you in December would occur if Republicans did that. And that was even before Mitch McConnell said, I will, I will not be bullied. I will not be bullied. Now you don't have to bully me. You don't have to bully me to study dudes with uterus in Pakistan because I'm just going to do that anyway because I have a uterus. It's called my face, all right? But but I will not be bullied into giving you more of your money back. That was just, that sound bite on top of it, you might as well just started it off with read my lips, gender studies in Burma. I mean, it was just, it was doomed from that point on. And everything has sadly... Um, proceeded as I have foreseen it until now. As dumb as all of that was, and it was Republicans essentially affirming every class warfare commercial Democrats have run against them for any office in America since about 1987, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was dumb, guys, cosmically. I mean, mind-numbingly stupid, absolutely and totally and completely indefensible that's why they got their asses kicked i never thought i would live to see the day that the democrats would decide we really just can't give all these people this money i I don't even know what to say about this the idea that with total control of congress the previous president was the biggest spender we ever had, Trump, preceded by Barack Obama, who left the White House as the biggest spender we ever had, preceded by George W. Bush, who left the White House as the biggest spender we ever had. Are you seeing a trend here? So the last three presidents we've had are the biggest spenders we've ever had. And the reality is there's just not a huge voting block for people who want less money from government. I I wish that wasn't the case, but there isn't.
In fact, the current stimulus proposal of $1,400 or $2,000 to every American has like 70% approval in the polls. And now Democrats are looking at taking all the populism that they lost to Trump and his rise to power, taking it all back from the Republicans after they just took the suburbs away from them in the last election. Allegedly. Um, They're now contemplating not paying those voters back for voting for them. I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, that's just, you know what? If you all do that, if, if the Democrats do this, and this is the bill Joe Biden signs, save us all a 2022 midterm. The next thing that should be done is Nancy, Nancy Pelosi should go right over to Kevin McCarthy's office, hand him the speaker's gavel and say, just, you know, keep hold of this for me until uh, January 2023 because it's going to be yours. This thing's over. They're going from losing 25, 30 seats next year. They're going to lose 50. They're going to lose all the suburbs they just won back because the amount of money they're talking about deducting from exempting from this. Who makes that kind of money? Where do those people live, Todd? Where do they live? I don't disagree with you, but we're we're talking about the same kind of people who don't do the math on COVID. They're just little minions. If It makes me wonder what the Democrats have planned next. Something so turning over the tables that we won't even remember this, Steve. We've, you've people talked are about going that. To, they're already saying, they're, people are going to remember that they didn't get any money. They're going to okay. remember that. They're good to remember, dude. We just talked about people weren't going to vote for six hundred dollars when they could when two grand was on the table. Now nothing's on the table, and they're going to vote for it again. If, what happens if you can't even remember the table? I, we from transgenderism. I did, the this is crazy voicism. Your your reason is of course correct. According, but we're to, not asking them to vote on anything with any morality at all. In fact, this is immoral. What we're doing, it's completely immoral. Everything we're doing is immoral. Everything in this bill is immoral. I mean, when you yeah. take away the amount of money they want to give to Americans, where the hell is the rest of that money go? It's, what is it, like 9% or something of the money in the bill is the actual payments right now? What's the other, what's, where's the rest of this going? The whole thing's immoral, but, it, but it's easily transactional. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. I get bailed out? And so now you're going to say to those suburban voters who really don't like a lot of the, the kooky policies you're talking about, but have no balls to step up and do anything about it because they just, they live in, they want peace. Peace. They're, they're all Neville Chamberlains in the, in the cul-de-sacs. But now you're going to turn them into those union voters because that's what they did to the that's what they did to those blue collar voters that Trump got. They told them, hey, keep voting for the cultural rot guts and we'll save your jobs from Republicans shipping them to Mexico or overseas. Right. That was the grand bargain. Mm-hmm. And then the bargain changed to actually we think your jobs uh, might end the climate in the year 4000. So screw you and vote for cultural rot gut and lose your jobs. How do you like those deals? Well, we saw what happened. All right, anywhere from six to twelve million people, depending on the estimate you look at, that voted for Obama once or twice voted for Donald Trump in twenty sixteen. They're doing the same thing to the suburbs with this. There's gonna be a lot of single moms that live in apartments in the suburbs. A lot of young families that live in apartments in the suburbs. Hey, I'm gonna get more money. I don't really care about the cultural now I've got now now. 
Now my daughter loses her spot on the track team and I didn't get paid? Hell no. Hell no. This is just, I don't, this is mind-numbingly stupid politically. I can't even believe they're contemplating this. I woke up this morning and I'm reading a piece in C, from CNBC where voters are already, from CNBC, guys. This, this didn't come from Breitbart. A piece in CNBC where voters across the country are incensed at this news. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised at what McConnell polled back in December, because that's what the Republican Party is. Take it from me, somebody who helped recruit candidates to go run. And I remember, I, re, I remember talking to one of them. Actually, it was one I didn't recruit. I just got to know and then promoted. She used to come up. She used to, her name was Kim Pearson. She used to be uh, one of our guests here on the roundtable in the early years of our program. Really smart gal. And I remember, and she ends up winning a, house, a state house district in, Des, in the heart of Des Moines that a Republican hadn't won in decades. And she beat one of the highest ranking Democrat incumbents in the state house to win her seat. Party didn't help her at all, thought she had no chance to win. She ends up toppling. A, a, in fact, the party preferred the Democrat because they were close to her old man in political circles and did a lot of deals together. She was considered a quote unquote moderate. And Kim takes her out. And I remember talking to her towards the end of the campaign because she's like vehemently pro-life, vehemently against, you know, the rainbow jihad. And so I'm like, are you getting crushed, you know, knocking door to door, talking about these culture war issues? She's like, oh, they almost never come up. She said, Steve, the biggest obstacle I face in a, in a working class neighborhood like this and going out in a working class suburb like this is I tell people I'm running, I'm the Republican nominee for the state house. They just think I don't care about him and only care about corporations. So we, we shouldn't be shocked that McConnell pulled what he pulled because that really is my, except for a few blips, the Reagan blip, and then, you know, the carryover that went on for years and the movement that he established that outlived him. And then the brief Trump blip we just had, except for those, that's what the Republican party has been really since reconstruction that that's really or now it's, it's probably the last reform movement within the republican party died when calvin coolidge left the white house that's that's what the gop has been it's been a white anglo-saxon protestant party of 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 you know pinky in the air uh, drinkers that's what it's been so it shouldn't be a shock that when it's stupid that you win all these new voters, Trump goes away and you just give them all back. But we kind of predicted it, right? That mm -hmm. that's what they would do because they hate people like you. This I did not see coming. If you would have told me, Steve, you're going to do a show the, the, by Valentine's Day on critiquing Democrats for not spending, not giving people enough money, not giving printing off and giving people enough free money, I would not have... I, I, not in a million. When I sat down in December trying to think of what are some crazy things I could predict for my annual predictions that are at least somewhat, somewhat palatable, but are also nuts given the time period we're in. Never did it occur to me to write down Democrats will win control of Congress, full government, and then not actually pay off the voters that got them there. I, I just. 
Doesn't that scare the hell out of you about what might be next? <laughs> if they feel they can move on from that? Maybe, I mean, that's may, my may, point. May, yeah, that's it. And that's it. That is a decent point. Because this is one of the, if they go down this road, it's one of the politically dumbest things it, I've ever seen. Based I mean, on, ever seen. Yes, you're right. This is, this is, it's the, it's maybe the dumbest thing since no new taxes, read my lips and then raise taxes. I mean, it's the, at the very least, it's the dumbest thing since I'm suspending free market principles to save the free market, right? George W. Bush, 2008, sure. with, that was his, that yeah. was his justification for the tarp. At the very least, it's the dumbest thing since then. And keep in mind, the pollster Scott Rasmussen told me at the time that the tarp was the most unpopular piece of legislation he has ever polled. It is entirely higher career cockroaches were more popular so it I, I don't even know what to say to it i don't know how to analyze that that they're seriously thinking of we'll just give the republicans the suburbs back what is that gift from the michael jordan documentary that you tweet out all the time when oh, stuff doesn't the, make sense the, the guy that yeah. the guy that beat tr- uh, jordan at quarters right yeah, yeah and the guy goes right like that that's See, that is what I, this is. I feel like Boromir, though. Like, what new devilry is this? That, honestly, you're like so, they must have something up their yes. sleeve. They cannot be this dumb. Yes. Yeah. Let's let, let's make historic gains in the suburbs in the Trump era in order to get our power back. And then we have our power back and we can add those people as a permanent part of our coalition. And all we've got to do is right now probably buy them off for two to three two to three grand one time and they'll love us forever right yeah just to get them through the winter time and we don't do that we don't do that so the kids you can't stand aren't going to go back to school and we're not going to pay you off but here's all the cultural rot gut that's the offer i, I wow I don't even want to, I, I, again, I keep saying it. I don't know what to say to that. It's one of the dumbest, it's, it's, it's dumb. That intruder dumb? <laughs> it, you are so dumb, for real, indeed. All right, best-selling author Joel C. Rosenberg is going to join us in a moment. is the editor of All Israel News. He is a multiple New York Times bestselling author, and uh, he is uh, relentless in publishing new work. His uh, his new one, The Beirut Protocol, releases next month. Uh, he's an old friend of the program as well. As well. Bestselling author Joel C. Rosenberg joining us here on Blaze TV. Joel, good to see you again, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. Great to be with you, Steve. Thank you. You bet. So, Shalom from Jerusalem. Ah, thank you very much. What What is life like there right now? It's a little tough. <laughs> um, our airports are closed. You, uh, no foreigner can come in or out of the country, but neither can Israeli citizens. Uh, I'm an Israeli citizen. I'm a dual citizen. Uh, I joke that uh, that me, I'm a U.S. Israeli citizen, so I get to vote twice. It's like living in Chicago, Steve. <laughs> but, or, um, or 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 uh, um, uh, Detroit, Wayne County, or uh, um, uh, yes, Atlanta, or Philadelphia. <laughs> anyway. Go ahead, Joel. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. No, no, that yeah. that's just back to November. But yeah. yes, that is a that's a problem. Listen, um, uh, COVID rates are very, very high here. We have had three full-on national lockdowns, 
and some of them have worked, some of them haven't. And uh, we're doing well with our vaccination program. You know, if you're supportive of vaccinations, uh, look, we've got 77 percent of people 50, 50, 50 years old and older have it already. But our rates are still going up. So it's a problem and they're not sure how to deal with it and all these multiple strands or uh, strains and mutations. So the short version, Steve, is our tourism industry is dying. You know, the whole idea of coming here, if you're Jewish for Passover or Christian for Easter, none of that's happening. And it's very, very painful and it's unemployment is high. And we're not like the United States where you have a whole continent and 50 different laboratories to try different strategies. We are a small country and, and, and it's hitting us very, very hard. What is your view since we went there? Because I do want to spend most of our time talking foreign policy. But there's been two leaders that I frankly, as someone that has followed COVID, the data as much as maybe anybody in conservative media has for the last 10 months. Um, I Frankly, I think Benjamin Netanyahu and Boris Johnson have gone insane, Joel. Like insane. Like literally insane. Like, like to the point I'm hoping there's some ulterior motivation somewhere because that's more comforting than the fact that they have become Prime Minister Karens uh, and have, have both inflicted on their people uh, Prime Minister Brexit inflicted has inflicted crazy levels of lockdowns it's to the point that left-wing Oxford is losing their damn minds on, on, on what's going on and, and attacking the, the conservative prime minister over it. And now what Netanyahu has done with these multiple lockdowns and everything else, I think I, both of them, I think, have gone nuts. COVID crazy, Joel. Well, I, I'm not ready to say that. There's a lot of... Um there are a lot of challenges that Netanyahu is facing. And of course, we have another election coming up the fourth in two years, March 23rd. You and I should talk again as we approach <laughs> those elections. But look, people are angry at Netanyahu. And look, Netanyahu has done many things really, really well. And in full disclosure, 20 years ago, I worked for Netanyahu for several months. Now, I haven't talked to him in many years. I, I'm not close to him personally, but I just want to be clear about my, my background. I think there's many things he's done incredibly well, including the Abraham Accords, our Arab-Israeli peace deals, four of them, just in the last uh, you know six months or so. But uh, people are very angry here at Netanyahu. And th the only grace I would give him on this particular issue is that Israeli officials have struggled, struggled to figure out what is the right thing to do with a small country mm -hmm. with a higher... Uh, uh, elderly population than most countries, certainly in this region. And the danger, you know, you don't want to have survived the Holocaust and die of COVID because somebody didn't, they weren't trying to be as careful as possible. We also have a limited number of doctors and hospital beds. You have to remember that. We're not in a full-blown war where you have medical, I mean, uh, you know, field hospitals all set up. So those are just some of the reasons. And I just want to be fair to him. You know, we're reporting on this at our new, uh, you mentioned all Israel news. We are covering this stuff and we're, we've been critical on things, um, including this. Uh, I'm not defending him that he's doing everything right. No, closing our airport, that's insane. You know, get a test. <laughs> if right. you don't have it, 
then you should be able to fly at least as a citizen mm-hmm. there's no reason to shut the airport down that's a huge mistake and i think he's i think he, he is going to face his toughest election ever on march 23rd because of these things all right let's expand and get to foreign policy and I, I thought the speech that uh, former President Trump gave in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, back in May of 2017, I said at the time that I thought it was the best foreign policy speech any president has given in this country since 9-11, that I thought it had that it, that it showed we had learned some lessons and 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 I and I it took a while for it to permeate his administration. The Secretary of State he had at the time, Rex Tillerson, was no fan of that speech. Right. But but I think what it showed was that they were his administration was not going to get bogged down in what has been bogging administrations down, Republican and Democrat in this country, going back to the eighties, which is how to settle the Palestinian question so that we can have peace. It 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 appeared that the Trump administration decided to not to just dodge the question and essentially go to the rest of the the Muslim world and particularly the Arab world that doesn't like Iran anyway uh, in many in many places and, and essentially say to them without if the Palestinian question wasn't there what would be your other reasons why you would want to have a perpetual cold war or perpetual threat of a hot war with Israel and it seems as if by taking that rubric away that thawed a lot of the ice here am I wrong in my read of that a little bit wrong, but close. Okay, a couple points, and let's take them one by one. And what you said, um, number one, the President Trump absolutely did the right thing by going to Riyadh, the heart of the Islamic world, and laying down the law, radical Islamism violent extremist Islam is wrong and it's bad for Muslims as well as for Jews and Christians and everybody else. So that was the exact right thing to say. Remember, President Obama wouldn't even say radical Islam. Hillary wouldn't say radical Islam. It's true. It's not all Islam that's the problem. It's the percentage of people who want to kill us and blow us up and nuke us. Okay, that's a problem. And Trump dealt with it. Number one. So you're right about that. Number two, um, uh, you're right that the Arab world increasingly sees Iran's regime as the threat, and they're realizing Israel is a part of the answer, not the problem. Okay, so so Trump and his team absolutely got that right, and analytically, and then in practical terms. But the the last part that you are wrong about, but I understand why. You know, it's 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 you're close, and that is the Trump team realized that the Palestinian issue is still very important to the Arab world, as it should be. Okay, but and and so remember, they spent three and a half years designing a plan they felt was creative and compassionate to both sides, but took in the realities of the current environment. And the plan was pretty good, not perfect, but it was pretty good. And it was detailed, 180 pages with maps. No administration in the United States has ever put out such a detailed plan. Now, why did that work? Not because the Palestinian leadership accepted it, Nobody expected that they would, but because it told the Arab world, look, Trump is taking this seriously. He's put another deal on the table that another deal that the Palestinian leadership has rejected, even to look at, even to read, even to talk about. And that combined with Trump understanding the rest of the Arab world's needs 
and the changing attitudes in the Arab world that I have seen firsthand because I met with all these top Arab leaders, that combination of the Palestinians rejecting a deal, even a conversation one more time, that set into motion the alliance that we are seeing emerge now. It's not just the peace deals, those are great, with the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Sudan and Morocco, and I think more are coming, but it's the architecture of an Israeli, American, Sunni, Arab alliance against not just Iran, but Iran's alliance with Russia, Turkey, and North Korea. And that's the, that's the two worlds that we're seeing, two alliances that are forming, and we better build a, a strong alliance against it. All right, I've got about six minutes here to get the two questions I've, I've got to ask you before we let you go get answers to. Number okay. one, you mentioned the Abrahamic Accords. Can you give our audience just a historical perspective of, of just how unprecedented these are? The, the notion of Israel and Saudi Arabia normalizing relations. I mean, just what that, what that historically signifies, Joel. Okay, so first, the Saudis aren't there yet, but they're trending that way. I have had two two-hour meetings with the Saudi crown prince, me, an Israeli, a Jew, a follower of Jesus. I know that's a lot of identities, but he welcomed me and asked me to bring evangelical leaders to meet with him, not once, but twice, and all of his senior inner circle, okay? That's a huge development. Um, the other, so it's, but back to the Abraham Accords, these are huge deals. We have not seen an Arab-Israeli peace deal before these, in 25 years, okay, an entire generation went by and no Arab country would make peace with Israel. There were only two before, and they were both done by Democrats. Uh, one was, uh, of course, uh, the Egyptian peace treaty with Israel in 1979, and then Bill Clinton helping to broker the uh, Jordanian-Israeli peace accord in 1994. Then nothing for 25 years. Uh, President Trump, a Republican, four peace deals in his final months in office. And uh, look, all of the people that are involved, including President Trump, deserve a Nobel Peace Prize for what they did. It's huge. And I've got a book coming out in the fall uh, called Enemies and Allies. We can talk about that more later, but that goes into the inside story of the changing dynamic and just how historic this really is. And I think the Saudis are coming. That brings us to the final question. I want to make sure we have plenty of time to discuss. The transition we're seeing now, I really think this is the third term of Obama. So I've been calling it O'Biden. That if you wondered if Obama had gotten a third term or if he just ran now, given where the Democratic Party is now compared to 2008, I think that's pretty much what we're going to see from Joe Biden. What does that mean from a foreign policy perspective? How does that impact some of the momentum that you were just describing? Well, okay, try to keep it concise. Steve, I think you're absolutely right on um, domestic and economic and social policy. Biden is going to be horrible for anybody who's Christian, evangelical, pro-life, pro-traditional biblical marriage, whatever. Disaster. And the economy, bad. On foreign policy, we're going to have to watch. I am not sure yet. I'm skeptical, but I don't want to be a cynic. I think Biden has some differences with regards to Israel. Obama was a train wreck with Israel, a train wreck. Um, But Biden 
historically, he calls himself a Zionist, pro-Israel. He, he's much warmer. Now, if he makes a terrible deal with Iran, like he is signaling he might, mm-hmm. then this will be horrible. But if he's tougher with Iran than his predecessor, if he, he and his team have learned some things, we'll see. OK, right now, he just said this week that he's not going to remove sanctions on Iran until Iran stops enriching uranium past you know where they were supposed to, to begin with. If he sticks to that, that's good. If he gets tough with Putin, that's good. If he gets tough with uh, Recep Erdogan, the dictator emerging in Turkey, that would be good. So let's see. I, I, I'm, I'm cautious and I'm concerned, but I'm not yet ready to say it's going to be a disaster. But but we'll see. I, I uh, you may end up being right. I hope you're not. I, well, I hope you are. I did see what he said over the weekend about not coming back to the table with Iran because he was pretty adamant during the campaign about wanting right. to renew the Iran deal. That kind of surprised me. So I hope that you turn out to be right about that. Good to see you, brother. Always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. All right. All right, that's Joel C. Rosenberg, editor, All Israel News. His new book, The Beirut Protocol, comes out next March, which is actually next month. Um, And you can pre-order your copy uh, over at Amazon.com today if you'd like to do that. Uh, This part of the show brought to you by... Home Title Lock. Do not get a crash course in home title theft this year. Pray it never happens because it can ruin you financially. Here's how it works. The legal titles to our homes are kept online where they can be hacked. Cyber thieves know this, so they go online, forge your signature on a quit claim deed stating you sold your home to them so that they can take out loans against your home's equity until all that equity is gone. You won't often find out about it until collection calls, maybe foreclosure or eviction notices show up. Yes, your rental properties can be vulnerable too. Your homeowner's insurance, your mortgage lender cannot protect you, but Home Title Lock will. And in the unlikely event that you still fall prey to home title theft while a member of Home Title Lock, they will spend up to a quarter of a million dollars in legal fees to help restore your home's title rightfully to you. So go online to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and then use the promo code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. So guys, I've known Joel for years. And one thing I can tell you about Joel is he is a straight shooter. All right. I mean, he is, uh, he is as right wing uh, with his ideology as they come. But when it comes to the facts on the ground, he will not allow the facts on the ground to be interpreted through the lens of his ideology, if that makes sense. And so that's one of the reasons why him and I have always gotten along really well, because we kind of roll the same way here on our show. So were you a little surprised at his, I guess we'll call it, um, he didn't use the word optimism, but caution on his pessimism. Maybe that's the way uh, I would describe it on what he thinks we might see from Biden's foreign policy. I think you have to have that on some level as an Israeli, just knowing what you're surrounded by on any given day. Right. I do get but it. doesn't do any good to go in negative because right. you know what you're already up against anyway. That being said, I simply, he's got a level of faith in a nearly 80-year-old dementia patient who just went whole hog on transgenderism in the name of devout Catholicism and that he's going to bring a lucid point of view that Obama didn't have to this conversation. I just don't have that faith and the truth is aaron i mean joe biden has been in politics longer than todd and i have been alive yep you could find him giving an opinion on virtually anything no matter where you're at on any issue that at some point you probably agreed with because he's just been in office for so long right yeah and 
there's just so much going on domestically right now. I'm going to be totally honest because I wasn't before. No, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest. I, I'm, I've struggled to pay any attention really to, to much that's going on uh, overseas, aside from that uh, one woman who was dancing out in front of the Burmese parliament <laughs> building last week, uh, just because there's so much going on domestically. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst, I guess. Um, but I, it's, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around anything that's going on, unfortunately, over there right now. Well, shows how low our standards are that when Biden was like, well, you guys have to stop making nuclear material before we negotiate. I was like, wow, that that's bolder than I expected. Hour two is next. with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe. Look for Steve Dace on both of those social media networks uh, over on Gab. You can follow us at Steve Dace as well, all one word. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of the show that you can sample and then share with others, Go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace or rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. If you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you and would appreciate it if you show your appreciation for us. Uh, leave us a five star review at whichever podcast platform you prefer. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done that yet either. Uh, the more of you that do that, the more it helps the show to grow. I want to thank all of you, the scores of you that have done those things for us already. Um, bottom of the hour. I don't think I was ever going to say these words, but I had an epiphany on my first viewing of Crocodile Dundee in about 25 years for family movie night over the weekend. And we're going to discuss it coming up for Pop Culture Tuesday at the bottom of the hour. This is either going to be really good or a total train wreck. No in between. Would now be a bad time to um, note that I've never seen Crocodile Dundee. No, no. In this case... It, it will have no that, bearing on the okay. conversation. That I yeah. get. None of the Rocky movies and Rudy. I mean, good grief. I don't need, yeah. know how I, you I mean, even Crocodile work Crocodile Dundee is a period but, piece. I but get, I get that. that. Yeah. But you're talking about how did he miss out on these timeless yes. yeah, uh, rites of passage. I, I agree with you on that. All right. We'll get to fake news or not brought to you by one of my favorite times of the day. Built Bar Time. All right. So you can choose to eat healthier or eat tastier or... If you don't like false binary choices, that's one of the reasons why you're probably watching this show. You can choose the go to go the built bar route where you get both because built bar is the best protein bar you have ever had. It's not even close. I've tried a whole bunch. It's not even close up to 20 grams of protein in every bar, 160 calories or less in every bar, three to five grams of carbs, sugar. That's it in every bar. And yet it tastes and has the texture of a candy bar, over 20 spectacular flavors. A little tip, they're about to debut a brand new one, by the way. I can't tell you what it is yet, but I know what it is. I've not tried it yet, but it sounds insanely good, okay? So a new flavor from Built Bar dropping here soon. Take advantage of my last name, Dace. And get a discount either for your first or your next order of Built Bar. Over 20 flavors, all covered in real chocolate when you go to BuiltBar.com. That's B-U-I-L-T for BuiltBar.com and use the promo code MyLastNameDace, D-E-A-C-E. Get 20% off your first or next order 
at BuiltBar.com. So for fake news or not, today, we're going to ask a simple question that may not have a simple answer. Yo, where's the flu at? I mean, we're, remember the flu? What, what happened to the flu? For example, take a look at this, this data from yesterday. Exactly one year ago yesterday, CDC reported 54,982 flu tests the previous week with a 31% positivity rate for 16,394 positive specimens. Last week, CDC reported only 18,531 flu tests. That's a 66% decrease. But as stark as that is, look at the next number. Only a 0.1% positivity rate for only 25 specimens in the whole country, according to CDC. That's a 99% decrease. We cured the flu, guys. Or did we? Now, I know what some of you are thinking in response to this. Probably something like this. Maybe, well, Steve, the kids aren't in school spreading the flu. That's true in what, about 40% of the country, the kids aren't in school right now. But that excuse, though, also is an admission, therefore, that kids are vectors for flu virus, but not COVID. So then why aren't all the schools open then? If this is the reason why all the schools should be open. Because kids aren't vectors for COVID, but they're vectors for the flu. You can't assert both of those things at the exact same time. One is true or one is not. Which one is it? Choose. You might also object to these numbers with something like this. You might say this instead. Well, everyone's wearing masks. Now, that excuse doesn't answer why everyone wearing masks hasn't stopped seasonal surges of COVID or produced similar uh, steep drops in COVID, not to mention the lack of real-time evidence we have that masks even work. Now, look at this data from Alabama and Mississippi. Now, Alabama, look at Mississippi, ended its statewide mask mandate last September. Alabama's has continued on. And yet, January 10th, Alabama Crimson Tide won a yet another national championship. We all saw uh, the next day, that night, the throngs celebrating out in the streets of Alabama, many of them maskless. It was a, it was a death-defying experience, we were told, right? That, that's what we were expecting to see in the coming days. Well, it has been, what, uh, 21, almost 30 days since that celebration. And yet, look at the COVID numbers. In both Mississippi with no mask mandate and Alabama with one that many of its citizens were defying in order to celebrate Roll Tide. Look at the steep drop. The exact same drop. Mask mandate or not. So that excuse isn't going to work. Let's try another one because I heard this excuse as well. Everyone is social distancing right now. Except they're not in Sweden anywhere near what they are the rest of the world. And yet, look at these numbers. 
And you're going to see that Sweden has experienced a very similar decline in both influenza A and influenza B, despite not having all the forced social distancing that the rest of the world has, that the United States has. It's even extended to RSV in Sweden as well. Furthermore, let's take a look at Florida, where schools have been open all year. It remains a massive tourist location. They just had the Super Bowl. Our producer, Aaron, just got back from his honeymoon in Florida. I took my family there in November, right after the election for a vacation. Aaron, when you were at Disney World, did it look like that thing was at 30, 40% capacity to you? Mm, not really, no. No, it was jam-packed. You were at Universal Studios too, right? Yeah. Both of those entities, by the way, have been open since last July. Also, no statewide mask mandate in Florida. So schools open the whole time. Tourist attractions still open. No statewide mask mandate. And yet, compare the current diagnoses for flu this year in Florida with the previous three-year average. This is from the Florida Department of Health. Look at the bottom number in blue, in dark blue. That bottom number in dark blue is the current flu season numbers in Florida. The dotted line above is the average flu numbers weekly in Florida for the last three years. Again, no mask mandate. Schools open the whole time. Tourist attractions open since last summer. And look at those numbers. They're unbelievable when you see them with your own eyes. So we have Florida and Sweden as our control groups. All of the typical explanations offered for, for why the flu has disappeared are rejected when you look at these numbers. The current argument is essentially that the masks and, and social distancing worked to stop the flu, but not COVID. Th that when flu disappears, it's because we're wearing masks. But when COVID doesn't disappear, it's because we're not wearing masks. You know, a little bit like this cartoon. Flu is low this year because everyone's wearing masks and social distancing. Why is COVID so bad? Because no one is wearing masks or social distancing. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Needless to say, these positions are self-refuting. But that's because most BS, frankly, is. Both of these assertions cannot be true at the same time. Either the masks work or they don't. Either we're wearing them or we're not. They can't possibly work for one virus and not the other Furthermore, why haven't we been wearing masks every flu season our whole lives then, if this is all that it took? Choose one. You cannot have both of these narratives. They cannot be simultaneously true. You must choose one. Well, if you're intellectually honest anyway. So now that we've crushed the BS, we're back to our original question. Where's the flu? Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, that graph there with the blue line. From Florida? From Florida. Yeah. That tells you that uh, the answer, the reason why that question is being asked by Big Pharma has way less to do with health than a bottom line. Because if the flu is gone and you're not making money off the flu vaccine, which you are beating over the head with every year, go get it, go get it, go get it. You better have another vaccine for something else. And I hate to be that cynical about it, but I don't care because that's absolutely, we just had Dr. Fauci saying now we have to wear a mask until fall, until this thing is totally gone. He didn't believe that 
at the beginning of this year and you all know it and if you don't know it that's a you problem you you, you all need to be way more cynical about what steve just laid down way more cynical there aren't any good answers to this question because all of them and by the way there are scientific and not conspiratorial answers to this but here's the problem all of the answers to this either reinforce your cynicism or reject the flat earth voodoo garbage that we have been getting um, since we first heard uh, about a doomsday model from England last March 16th. And back to the science as of immunology, virology, and biology as we once knew them before anybody knew what a SARS-CoV-2 virus, SARS virus, SARS-2 COVID-19 virus actually was. That's the problem. That's why they don't like this question. Because it, it reveals one of two things. Your cynicism... It validates that, or it points out this is a bunch of flat earth voodoo junk science that is a repudiation of what we knew about science before we knew about COVID-19. Aaron, your thoughts? So I'll reiterate what I've I've said before. I, I think it's just time to bow down. I mean, um, take our hats off to um, big pharmaceutical companies because while, the, while they literally had one hand tied behind their back, uh, developing a vaccine for a virus that we've never had a vaccine for before that's apparently 150%, 250% effective. They were also reverse engineering the typical flu vaccine or flu shot that we have to make it 1,000% effective, apparently, because that's that's what that's what we're being told. Because I don't think everybody gets a flu shot, right? So the only way that, that because um, we already know that before they were 100% effective and, and not effective whatsoever, the only way for these numbers to go down like that is if the the flu shot also was was above 100 percent in if, in its efficacy i mean that that makes sense right that's that's not mm-hmm. magical thinking whatsoever mm-hmm. it, it's it's definitely the pharmaceutical companies that that we should be thanking for this you are correct there are scientific answers for this um we have hinted at them before but that's not really that's not really the um the problem here that's not really the problem. The real problem that we continue to identify with this is science versus science. That's what we're really getting at here. Who is the science coming from? Do we even do, do we even um, agree on what the definition of science is? I mentioned that German mask study from the montage. Uh, the authors of that study, I read that quote, are lamenting the fact that there are no that there are no. Um, uh, non-biased studies into the effects of masks. And of course, there's no non-biased study into the effects of masks, because where would those studies take place at? Remember, this was a private German university. Where mm-hmm. would those studies, especially in the Western sphere, where would those studies take place? Universities, most likely public universities with the funding to do this sort of thing. So we're not going to have, we're not going to be able to go to Costco. We're not going to be able to go to Walmart. We're not going to be able to go to the airline companies with data uh, on why masks don't work because we're not going to get data on why, or studies on why masks don't work because it's not science. That's really what this all comes down to. It's like we've likened this to before a a cultist or a cult member. If if you try to argue with them, 
if you try to argue with them, present your data, present their fa- present your facts or the facts, I should say, you're really never going to get anywhere. The only way we can do is asking snotty questions, which, if I remember correctly, was one of the th- one of the potential themes that I think we were thinking about yes. for this year. Yes. Where's the flu? Just yep. yes. Keep asking that question. Yep. What what could go wrong? Where is the flu? And then use those common rebuttals, rebuttals and air quotes that that Steve laid out, because that's one that I've thought of before. OK, well, we're not in schools. Of course, that's a tacit admission, as you laid out as mm-hmm. well, that that children ought to use those rebuttals as well. That That's all you really have to do here. And um, I, I would say that's that's probably the, the first step here, because this is not really about the science. It's about the science. Epidemiology, as we talked about yesterday, is a science like political science is. If you're a critical thinker and know the facts of the case, you can argue with the experts when the experts are full of bleep. Somebody who follows us on Twitter, um, Alexander Rogers is his name. I saw him tweet the other day, a bluff talking about asking snotty questions that if you look at the metrics of pepper spray right spray it it's it spread as an aerosol the metrics of uh, of of uh the, the 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 molecules that make up pepper spray similar to that of sars 2 covid 19 said hey if you guys really believe in the efficacy of your masks spray uh, 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 spray some pepper spray on your mask while you're wearing it prove it to us Prove it to us that you really believe that this thing is the protection mechanism that you claim while wearing your mask. Spray pepper spray right on your face, the part that's covered by the mask. Let's see what happens. Show us. See, that's that's what needs to be done here. That's an example of what needs to occur here. I could have gone in to an expl. I could give you a scientific explanation for why the flu has disappeared. It doesn't have to be big pharma conspiratorial. It could be. Wouldn't shock me if it is. But there, there are scientific explanations for this. But I'm not going to make it easy. I'm not going to make it easy on the creeps and the frauds and the charlatans and the wannabe despots that have done this to us for going on a year now. They're the ones that have got to answer this question. I'm not answering it for them. Because, by the way, the scientific answers to this are based in, and rooted in actual science, which we have largely rejected for the last year. For example, right now, Rand Paul is being told on the Senate floor that he has to wear a mask. He's had COVID. He has natural immunity. So we're going to reject his natural immunity, but then we're going to vaccinate everybody to get an artificial immunity. What is better? Natural immunity or artificial immunity? Well, natural immunity is. But we created artificial immunity because the death toll for certain contagions to get to natural immunity, the death toll was so high that we did it this way in order to salvage human life. That's the, that's the whole premise of vaccination programs. But it is to demonstrate, even in, in people that have yet to be infected with the virus from an active um, uh, from an active infection for them to demonstrate that they've already acquired immunity with antibodies. That's the whole point of it. And now we're going to say that that's not how this works. See, this has been going on this entire time. This is all political BS. Not the virus, but all of these mitigation efforts. They're all, it's all politics. It's all complete and total BS.
And the fact they won't debate, they won't risk one because they'll lose. Credit to Brett Baer last night for asking Fauci the question, when, we get to, when can we take our mask off? But he should have pinned him down. What was Fauci's answer when, when, this, when the virus is no longer a threat? Quantify that. What does that mean? What's no longer a threat mean? They don't want to give you those kinds of answers because that takes their power away. One of the things I've liked about our governor here in Iowa, Kim Reynolds, is even when she's made decisions I don't agree with, she's always put a timetable on her decisions. When I went down to Florida for Disney World for a week, I come back and I'm like, what voodoo doctor did she talk to? We, we did a temporary emergency mini lockdown the next week, right? Yeah. But was there a deadline on that? Yeah. Did she meet the deadline? I believe yes. so, yes, in yeah. my memory. Actually, a couple days early ended it. She's acknowledging, at least she's acknowledging, her power is not unlimited. My son is in um, a large Christian school here in Des Moines. He recently had to be held out for a few days while they contact traced an infection in his middle school class. And it's a, it was a pain in the rear. But I got to tell you, they like had answers for why they did what they did when I asked questions. They had like, well, you know, this stuff isn't going on um, for an indeterminate period of time. We figured out by this period of time or we move on. They did mass temporarily when we had a seasonal outbreak in Iowa back in December. Then they got rid of the masks in the class when we didn't. See, that's the issue with, with, your, with, with your public servants. It's not so much about whether you agree with them all the time. It, while, while I'm being brutally honest, I probably go to the largest church in Des Moines that has been physically open um, as long as churches have been allowed to reopen in, in, in Iowa. I haven't agreed with every decision we've made. But you know what? I, I don't have to agree with everyone, every decision. First of all, I don't know all the factors. I don't run the church. You know, 4,000 people worship there either in person or virtually every Sunday. I don't, I don't know the needs of all those people. I'm not on the elder board. I don't know. It's easy for me to play Monday morning quarterback. So I've learned over the years to not look so much for whether I agree with the final decision, but whether I can appreciate the method by which it was made. Was there, is, there, is, there, is there respect for the people whose, whose, whose lives are going to be impacted by your decisions? Are you transparent about them? Will you explain them? You know, when my kids were small, I could just say, because I said so. Something automatically clicks in when they turn like 12 or 13. That doesn't work anymore. I have to explain my decisions to my teenage son now that he just nodded his head and said, okay, daddy, when he was three. He doesn't do that now. Now he almost looks me in the eye and says, I'm going to need, I think, old man, I'm going to need a little bit more. All right. What does that mean? Can I explain? And if I can explain my decisions to my kids, even if they don't agree, they at least respect the fact I respected them enough to show my hand, to show my work. Because why? They're not, they're my children. They're not my subjects. And they're becoming adults. Soon we're going to be more peers than the relationship we had when they were small. I'd like to maintain that relationship. One way to do that is to treat them like the young adults they are and not as my subjects. To grant 
them the respect of acknowledging now that their minds are a little bit more developed. Their worldviews are a little bit more enhanced. Their intellect and maturities have advanced. That they can think some of these things through on them on their own. And I should I should acknowledge that. So should our authorities acknowledge that in us. If you called up your local state legislator, your governor, and asked them, where's the flu? Would they have a conversation with you? Or would they dismiss you? Your kid's school. That's not open. Your church, that's not open. Leave. I think we have to come to the realization here that even Christ, who died for the sins of the world, a cruel, vicious, unjust death at that. No one can love you more than him. No greater love than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And he was calling his enemies, scorners, scoffers, skeptics, his friends when he did it. But even he, even he looked at his apostles, at his disciples and said, you know what? After a while, man, some communities, some civilizations, some cultures, some neighborhoods are a lost cause. Kick the dust off your sandals and just move on. Don't waste your time any longer. They were given an ample opportunity. Like Sam Kinison, the great prophet, once said to the people in Africa starving in the 80s, move where the food is. Move where the freedom is. Move. We've got all kinds of room in Iowa. Big, expansive spaces. Three and a half million people live here. And frankly, we need help shoveling. Move here. Now, if you can put up with uh, January and February, the rest of the year is actually kind of nice. January and, Fe- and February will crush your scroat, okay? <laughs> crush it. But the rest of the, year, the next 10 months are pretty nice here. Fair? Is that fair? Is that a Chamber of Commerce message? Iowa Tourism <laughs> sponsored this segment here of the Steve Day Show on Blaze TV. But you know what I mean? Move where the food is. Move where the freedom is. Move where there's at least people that you don't have to agree. We're not going to agree. This is a large, diverse country. Even people with similar convictions are going to look at situations and have different takes. How we can still live together, even in times of crisis, is if we can explain our actions. And we think the people who are impacted by our actions are worthy of that respect of an explanation. But when the people in charge think that you are not worthy of it, that they are not authorities, they are authoritarians. And that's, that's the species we have seen too much of for the last 10 months. It's one or the other. The flu is gone. Either because of Todd's cynical and increasingly justified feelings about big pharma, or two, the natural scientific explanation that comes from science as we've known it pre-COVID and have largely rejected to do the flat earth voodoo that doesn't work that we've done for the last 10 months now. That's why they don't want to talk about the flu. 
Because both of the answers to this question, where's the flu, reject their narrative and crush their propaganda. Every potential answer, objection you would raise, as I just pointed out, actually furthers our narrative. Because we don't have a narrative. Stop me if you've heard this before, but we mean it. We just followed the science. Gentlemen, any final thoughts? Well, it's you're not going to grasp onto this until you you set aside your poor me knee-jerk reactions. We just found out a freshman congressman, uh, well, he might be a second term now, from Texas died from covid correct mm-hmm. his name escapes you right yep. right yep. uh well they say he died from covid he he's been struggling with cancer this was the scam with the flu all the time flu deaths flu deaths flu deaths old people die from a lot of things during flu season they when they are sick they're they, they are coming the close to their de- end of life anyway they often die from flu steve has been over this also in terms of average life expectancy when are people dying from covid there, there's so many obvious signs that this shouldn't be tracking with people who are being reasonable and thinking critically but the fact that we still don't see them are we really good we never figured it out with the flu we have to figure it out now with covid because the number you're told of the people that died from COVID just isn't close to that number. I'll bet my house on that. It doesn't mean it wasn't real. It doesn't mean it wasn't scary. It doesn't mean it wasn't bad. But it isn't this. It just isn't. Yeah, I'm not sure how to how to how to follow that up. No. Know who and what you're up against. There is, as Todd has put it before, impenetrable ignorance. And then there's also malevolence as well. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're up against in some in one form or another with this entire story this entire time. Well said. When we come back, my crocodile Dundee epiphany. I can't believe I said Finally. that out loud. More in a moment. Stay tuned. Valentine's Day is coming up. You've done the candies every year. You've done the flowers every year, right? Maybe you want to do something a little different. How about some of the best ice cream you've ever had in your entire life? Brooker's Founding Flavors. Now, I used to be a big Ben and Jerry's guy, even though I'm aware they're communists. But in the end, I I just want the best product. Thankfully now, I can get better ice cream without giving my money to communists because that's what Brooker's founding flavors is. You were skeptical, Erzin. Yep. Because you're just skeptical of anything I get excited about by nature, right? Yes. You think I am prone to uh, 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 flights of fancy to some degree. Within certain categories, yes. Yes. Particularly when it comes to my sweet tooth, right? Y- yes. And then I gave you a pint. You took it home uh, to your wife and, and four daughters and what happened? The five women in my household agree with Steve Dace. Yes. All right. So... You know, fellas, hey, that's that's the reaction you're looking for on Valentine's Day, correct? And if if she's into chocolate, like I am, best chocolate ice cream I've ever had in my entire life. 
all with a revolutionary era patriotic theme that points to you know a lot of the things we're trying to conserve as conservatives these days and it's great ice cream as well so go online hit the ship nationwide tab look at their various flavors hit the ship nationwide tab if she likes red velvet cake the red velvet cake flavor is insanely good too i mean i'm not even a huge red velvet cake guy and i'm like I got to have some more of that. All right. BrookersIceCream.com. B-R-O-O-K-E-R-S. BrookersIceCream.com. Click the Ship Nationwide tab on the website for BrookersIceCream.com. All right. So we started off the show today with um, a political error I never in a million years thought I'd ever talk about. Democrats not buying off voters when they have the power to do so because they're contemplating now not paying off all the suburban voters they've won over for the last couple of cycles because of Trump and exempting them from the COVID relief, which would just be a, a, a political act of stupidity, the likes of which I don't know. It would, it would be like a new a precedent. We'd have to, this would be the new read my lips, the new I'm suspending free market principles to save the free market. It's, it is intergalactically dumb. So we started the show off today talking about something I never thought in a million years, I'd ever have to point out. And we're going to end it with something I never thought I was ever going to say again. But I had an epiphany watching Crocodile Dundee for family movie night Sunday before the Super Bowl came on. And that brings us to Pop Culture Tuesday when each week we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. Okay. So... For those of you that don't remember the film, and it had been a long time since I had seen it, um, I didn't even remember how it ended. You know, where he basically crowd surfs to get to her at the end of the movie. I, I totally didn't remember that. Major hit from 1985. They made this movie for $9 million. It made $180 million at the domestic box office. That's a pretty good ROI. Spawned a franchise of sequels. Paul Hogan, the Australian actor, writer of the film, um, ends up marrying the woman that plays the reporter. I think they're still married, actually, and have like kids and stuff together. So that worked out. Oh, they are divorced, Ron tells me. Okay, my bad. I should have known it's Hollywood. So um, but I mean, this was a this was a force of nature when we were children, this movie was. And there were scenes in this film I I I didn't remember or didn't understand when I was nine, 10 years old or whatever, the first time I saw it that I picked up on now and watching these scenes, I had an epiphany about where we are culturally today. So we, we are here in the what's left of America. We are operating under this premise and we've asserted this ourselves on this show. So when I say we, right, we're pointing the fingers at us, right? Like yes. that Spider-Man gif, you're pointing at me, I'm pointing at you, we're pointing yeah. at them, they're pointing at us, right? Okay. So, We've been operating here in what's left of America under this notion that the left America has reached a whole new level of insanity. Correct? Yes. Okay. However, maybe the rate of devolution has increased, but the the source or the premise, at least according to Crocodile Dundee, looks a lot like 1985 there's a scene in the film when she first is in the outback with him to interview him for a story for newsday and the first night that they're together out there in the outback 
and she starts talking about um, her being a part of the protest movement in the 60s. And she's asking him, hey, what do you think of nuclear proliferation? Do you think the aborigines have a real claim to the land? In many respects, she's not using the term woke. But that term doesn't exist in the cultural lexicon yet, right? But the, the framework of the questions she's asking and the tone by which she's asking them is very similar to what, if you went and looked at what woke Twitter looks like, like today, today we just decided that how many years has Cracker Barrel been open? Uh, a lot. A lot, a lot of them. Uh, we just decided that today it's racist. We, you, you didn't know? No, we, I guess we didn't know. Cracker Barrel is racist, right? The, but this notion of there's, there's some argument, some injustice that hasn't been stood for yet, and it's up to me and my generation to right this wrong. You know, um, where where a, where a crime in search of the criminal, basically, right? Um, this is one of the first lines of dialogue she has with him in the film, and she is incredulous that he gives he just gives zero f's. He just doesn't care that he's she's he's he's not attached to TV. What goes on in the outside world, similar to somebody that wouldn't be attached to social media today. So diversity and tolerance was already a scam back in 85. Yep. Yep. Hang, hang with me. During during the film, um, they have a black limo driver named Gus, who's played by the dad from Family Matters, Urkel's dad, right? And the rich white lefties that work for Newsday, uh, thank you, Gus, here's my bags. Basically treating him like, you know, he's a lesser being, he's the help. But, but they know all the nomenclature. They, they know how to politely discuss matters in front of the black man while treating him, of course, like he doesn't belong with their kind. Hogan doesn't know any of this. So he just strikes up a conversation with a guy, thinks he, you know, because where he comes from, the only black people are aborigine, aborigine or related to the tribe, the aboriginal tribe. So he starts talking about what tribe and stuff he's from. But he just, and, and the rich, woke white folks in the film are like incredulous that he like went there, but in his mind, where he comes from, this isn't even, this isn't even on the table. Like this barrier, it doesn't exist. Earlier in the film, you see they run into one of his friends who lives in the city, whose dad's an Aborigine tribe chief, and they run into each other and start hanging out in the outback. He just doesn't care. It's not that he doesn't see color. That's a cliche and stupid. It's that's that it doesn't mean anything to him in terms about the value of a person or the whether to have a relationship with them. It's it's not that he doesn't see it. It's not relevant to the human experience to him. It's not a barrier. But in, but but all the, the, the 60s baby boomer radicals that are now inhabiting the newsroom at Newsday that are just hung up on all this stuff, they are, of course, uh, very offended while treating Gus the limo driver like, you know, he's a second class citizen. Any of this sound familiar? Yep. But then the part that really, really blew me away is when when she starts realizing she might be falling for him instead of the guy that her editor that she was going to marry she takes him to one of her manhattan high society parties i don't remember this scene at all as a kid maybe my parents shielded it from me i kind of doubt it i just you know didn't register with me and this so he's so he's he goes to a bar his first night in new york 
And he sees what he thinks is an attractive woman that's hitting on him. Except as the great prophet Austin Powers once said, that's not your mother, that's a man, baby. All right, that's not a chick. And one of and the taxi drivers got to pull him aside and say, hey man, that's a transvestite. Do you know how he reacts to this news? He walks up after this quote-unquote woman has been hitting on him all night long. And he realizes it's a guy. He walks up and grabs him by the balls to see what he's got down there. Better days. Later on in the film, when, when now the reporter from the extremely wealthy family uh, decides she starts falling for him, when she takes him to one of her high society parties, same thing happens again. An obvious cross-dresser. It's a guy dressed as a woman. It's obvious, but he's not falling for it this time. Starts hitting on him again. He grabs him between the legs again just to make sure. In this film that's 35 years old now, essentially every cultural malady other than abortion that we are dealing with on the front lines at this point race class gender it's all in this film it's all in the film and the movie's 35 years old that blew my mind it blew my mind and then after it was over I had an epiphany Now, I am not suggesting, nor would I endorse, randomly grabbing people in any setting between the legs. Can we, uh, can we, uh, disclaimer, can we agree to that? Can we, can we at least say, not a good idea as a general rule, okay? Think metaphor. But. Think analogy. Yeah, so we, we are not here to endorse, nor um, validate the literal act Correct. of what he did. Correct. But the idea that I have to tolerate something I think is complete and total BS and affirm it for you, no, no, I, I don't have to do that. In fact, the scene where he says, that's not a knife, that's a knife, he's getting mugged. He just handles the matter himself. The way men used to do things. And I began to wonder, now this is a tough epiphany. Is it possible? Is it possible that the left in America really isn't that much different than they were in 1985? This is a mainstream film. This is one of the biggest films of the year. Families all over the country took their kids to see this movie. It was, it was a transcendent pop culture uh, smash, this movie was at the time. Summer of 85, the summer after Reagan's landslide, it's morning in America again everywhere. Could it be that the left is not that much different? 
we're just a bunch of wimps on our side. And what we mistake or have called the left dialing it up to 11 is really the result of them largely being culturally unopposed for three decades. Dude, any, anybody, anybody playing a game that doesn't have an opponent is going to look awfully intimidating, right? I mean, if you're going out there playing like a football game and the other side's not tackling you, you're going to look pretty 